we want to remind you to always gamble responsibly. Guys, responsible gambling is the only way and the right way to gamble. And the saying that me and Dave always have is to think about gambling as money that you could just light on fire or flush down a toilet. That's what you put on the games or in blackjack, poker, whatever. And the way to go about gambling is having a game plan, guys. Have a game plan. Gamble responsibly. Go to haveagameplan.org to learn how to create the game plan that's right for you to gamble responsibly. Uh, You never want to be down on a bookie because that just, everybody knows that's going to go down the wrong way. You don't want to be down a lot of money especially money that you need for rent and food and whatever else. So please gamble responsibly. All wagers that Dave and I may place uh, is done so with responsibility. And for legal reasons, this is not gambling advice. These are simply our favorite picks and plays of uh, today, tomorrow, and the rest of the week. All right. After that, remember, responsible gambling is the right way to gamble. Let's get into today's episode of Faded Sports Pick'em. Welcome back to Faded Sports Pick'em, our first episode in December. And Dave, not only are we just over... uh, uh, about a week into our one-year anniversary of Faded Sports Pick'em, we got a great birthday present with some of the craziest news in college football. Probably one of the craziest 48 hours in college football history with the changes in coaches. We also had, you look in college basketball, Duke taking down the monster Gonzaga, and then turning around and having a letdown game at Ohio State. So much is going on, Dave. And I tell you what, man, we have a great episode uh, for our listeners today. I can't wait to dive into it. I cannot believe we've been doing this for a year. That's crazy it's to crazy. think about. And, I mean, shout out to all of our listeners out there. We keep we keep a great listenership here. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think it's because we're entertaining to listen to, but... Um, I hope I, I think that's what it is, right? We're, we're kind of we're kind of fun to listen. I think people tune in to fade whatever I'm saying, you know. And that, thank that God, could be it. <laughs> thank God we're not on a Trent level yet, because I don't know. Again, I hate to I hate to uh, rag on him, man, but oh my God, has he had a bad time? So I'm not that down bad yet. Maybe after this weekend I will be, but I'll tell you, like I said before the show, Dave, I'm confident. I'm so confident for this weekend's games. That's scarier than than, than a normal <laughs> week. That's that's just what it is. I've got I've got my I've got our, our faded sports pick'em t-shirt on right now, so it's it's time to roll. I'm sure we'll get some more of those out later in the winter at the latest for the spring. I'm I'm sure for March Madness again. Because oh, that's when we, we posted these. Stay tuned to our to our Instagram at Faded Sports Pick'em and our us on Book It Sports as well at Faded Sports Pick'em on there as well. Well, Dave, I think we should dive right into this college football news. Let's start with Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC. 
And there's so many storylines to hit here, Dave, starting with Oklahoma is still, I mean, they're not completely eliminated from this season yet. Granted, it, it would take a lot, but it is kind of the same thing of, of, uh, of Kelly leaving Notre Dame, where it's like Notre Dame is kind of still in this thing. I, I can't believe it happened so quickly. Uh, but Dave, first, I want to get your thoughts. What was the first thing that came to your mind when uh, when you saw the news that Lincoln Riley was going to USC? You know, I wasn't necessarily surprised, and especially when I saw the numbers, when I saw what they were paying him, what they were doing for him. I mean, they're paying him $110 million. They're buying both of his houses in Norman, which I don't I don't really know why he has two houses, both in Norman, <laughs> but they're buying both of them for $500,000 over the asking price, which is crazy. <laughs> they're allowing him to use his private, their, their private jet for him and his family whenever he wants to. You know, you can, you can fly his family cross country whenever for free. They use the private jet and they're paying for a $6 million house in LA or Southern Cal somewhere. I assume yeah. somewhere near LA. But I mean, I would have I would have hightailed myself out of Oklahoma if I if they gave me that too. Oh, absolutely, man! And and again, the the perks are one thing. You have to look at as well for Lincoln Riley. He obviously built Oklahoma up big, but Oklahoma was getting ready to move to the SEC, and not only, you know, Lincoln Riley basically owned that conference or he was one of the two, maybe three owners of it. But I would say he's been the owner of that conference. Now you're having to go in where you're the new guy on the block and you look at who he's going to have to go up against. And we don't know where they're going to be placed in either East or West. I would imagine the West, who knows what he is going to be going up against, not only talent wise, obviously we know what he's going to be going up against talent wise, but if you look at recruiting as well, you know, obviously, uh, obviously in LSU, he is going to have a great situation because most kids grow up loving the Tigers, want to play for the Tigers. So LSU has no problem. They've got Louisiana on lock, right? You look at Alabama, they've got Alabama and Mississippi on lock. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they've got you know, Northern Mississippi, Southern Mississippi, the Memphis area, parts of Tennessee, parts of Alabama. And it's just a whole other level. Now you move to Southern Cal where you have these players that aren't staying in Southern California. Lincoln Riley is going to have to get them to stay because you look at like Matt Corral, obviously is a big name. Who's a Southern, uh, Southern California guy. And I, I truly think if Lincoln Riley can keep those guys in California, we're going to see classic Pete Carroll, USC. Uh, and, and again, you look at the Pac-12, who else is he got to go up against? Oregon, you know? So I, I think this was a slam dunk hire. I think USC had to go big as well. I mean, you look at their last few coaches, really, you know, it, it just – they didn't make a big splash. And I think this is a big splash going to Oklahoma, who is consistently a top five team in the country the last few years. I, I mean, I, I think it was a slam dunk. Now, granted, I mean, 
you know, they got the money to do it. So I'm, I'm not going to be worried about the money. Um, but I think for Lincoln Riley, you know, this, you know, it, it kind of looks bad because it kind of looks like he, he wanted to avoid the SEC. But honestly, if you're paying me that much and I'm going to a, a weaker conference and I'm one of the biggest names there, I, I don't know how there's any losing part of this unless he just falls on his face there and can't keep those great four and five star recruits in Southern California. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's there's guys from Southern Cal. California does is just loaded with recruits and they always go. You know, typically, especially in recent years, we've seen them go somewhere else. I mean, Bryce Song is a prime example of it. He's from Southern Cal right there and, and went to Alabama. And it's hard to pass up on a place like that. And that's the goal with Ruth Lincoln Riley, making it into a place like that. I think he will. I agree with what you're saying. I think that, you know, there's not, <coughs> excuse me, there's not a lot of competition there in the state of California. You know, USC is obviously one of those storied names and they're someone who he's, They've got the talent there. They can make them into a powerhouse once again. And I wouldn't surprise me this team is back in the college football playoff just in a couple of years because they. I, I agree with you. I think that, I think they should be able to dominate the Pac-12. Lincoln Riley is a very, very good coach. It's a slam dunk hire, no doubt. Huge. And now we go to LSU uh, with the exit of Ed Ogeron. And that's an interesting story because, I, I, I mean – I wouldn't be surprised if we never see him coaching again, honestly. I mean, the way his attitude in the uh, exit press conference, Dave, was very like, I'm going to go chill on a beach. I've got all this money. I got the buyout money. And why, you know, I, I'll tell you, I would much rather sit on a beach with, you know, my girlfriend and just hang out and enjoy life. Uh, but we see his replacement come in. With a 10-year deal Brian Kelly gets in LSU. And you know what? I I've seen all the stuff of, you know, people are worried about, oh, it was a quick, you know, quick exit uh with his players in Notre Dame, you know, the five minutes, seven a.m. uh player meeting, which I'd be pissed about if I was a player too, because I'd be like, screw you, man. Like you left us. The basically breakup text, which is, you know, obviously never a good thing to do. Uh, but he's going in to Baton Rouge where all they care about is winning. And Brian Kelly wins. And we talk about Notre Dame choking in the playoffs every year. But you look historically over his tenure of turning around the fighting Irish. He really, really was a consistently good head coach there. And that's what they care about at LSU is wins. Yeah, I mean, he's he is a proven winner. Everywhere he's gone, he's went, he's won. And obviously, he I mean he's never been an SEC head coach. So that'll be one to watch for sure. Because I mean, LSU similar to USC, they get recruits. You're gonna get players, you're gonna get the talent. And Ed Orderon, you know, he had that one really good year, but you and I probably could have coached that team that won the national championship. Mm -hmm with all the star power they had on it. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a great hire as well. Um, if I'm LSU, I'm going to be calling to move Alabama to the east whenever Oklahoma and Texas get there. Um, because, I mean, that would set up some crazy good LSU-Alabama SEC championship games, which I don't oh, yeah. think they'll do, but we'll, we'll have to see there. If I'm Georgia, I'm saying keep Bama. <laughs> in the West, of course. So 
they're geographically Alabama's right on that line where it would make sense to move them to the east, them and Auburn. So it'll it'll be one to see, no doubt about it. Well, it just completely uh, remakes the entire uh, landscape of um, of college football. And now what does that also do? We had the two big spots filled. We didn't think they were going to be filled by coaches leaving big spots as well. You know, you look at at Oklahoma and Notre Dame. I mean, these are huge, huge openings uh, in the head coaching market. And I'll tell you what, even though there's no chance in the world, I have to have a little bit of hope that Oklahoma is calling uh, 400 Mint Street in Charlotte to get Matt Rule out of Carolina and bring him to Oklahoma, even though he has no reason at all to show that obviously he can coach at the NFL level, but he, he was good at Baylor and Temple. But Dave, that that's a whole other story. We'll get into the NFL later, obviously, but I'm, I'm out on Matt rule. So I'm hoping that everybody calls him and gets him out of Carolina, but yeah, that'll be, that'll be him and, and urban Meyer. Both could have some real nice college jobs fall right into their lap if they want them. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, you've got Notre Dame and Oklahoma wide open right now. Um, I mean, there are some rumors around who the front runner is for Notre Dame. No, uh, there's no official contract on paper. So if those guys wanted a job like that, they could, they could take it. Cause I mean, you got to think if, if they showed interest in them, that those colleges would have to be thrilled. Cause they did. Both of them have had success in college, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, last thing on Kelly, his overall record is 263-96-2, and and that was at Notre Dame, Cincinnati, uh, Central Michigan, and Grand Valley State. Uh, Notre Dame finished the regular season 11-1 and this season, and that was the sixth time that uh, Kelly has won 10 or more games in the past seven seasons. So that's impressive. And, again, you know, it's a lot different, uh, you know, you look at Lincoln Riley, he's going from a place where he ran that conference to a uh, to a place where he can can probably continue that. And now, again, you've got uh, Kelly coming into a hornet's nest in the SEC. And we're seeing a lot of teams are improving in the SEC now. You know, obviously, I mean, Ole Miss is looking good. Mississippi State seems to be turning it on. Um, Arkansas had an improved season, even though they kind of fell off, but they had an improved season. Um, it feels like the entire landscape of the sec is elevating, um, at, at all levels. And so he's going to have to find a way. Um, and, and I don't think it's going to be that difficult for him. Cause again, they're going to get the recruits. This is new energy into Baton Rouge. And I wouldn't be shocked if this is a is if this is one of the you know top two or three teams in the SEC West next year, uh, depending on how he he builds this offseason. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, obviously, like you said, the the SEC as a whole is, is there. Obviously, I mean, looking at just the current rankings in you know the basketball playoff rankings that dropped, you've got Georgia, Bama, and Ole Miss in the top ten, and then you've got Arkansas, Kentucky, and A and M right there too, and obviously. Like you said, Mississippi State's turning it around. LSU will be right there with Brian Kelly. Um, you know, everyone's waiting to see if Lane Kiffin makes a move. I don't think that he will from Ole Miss to somewhere like Miami or Oklahoma or Notre Dame. Obviously, Miami doesn't have an open coaching spot, but the rumors have been swirling for Lane Kiffin. 
to Miami. Um, and then you've got teams like Auburn and Florida that are going to be right there because, I mean, the the Florida spot is open as well. We haven't seen – no, we, we did see Billy Napier get hired as Florida head coach. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, I mean, he's going to be – he's going to thrive there at Florida as well. And even teams like South Carolina haven't necessarily had a bad season this year, not a great one, but, you know, not, not an awful season. There's 13 bowl-eligible SEC teams – and Vanderbilt. So um that that's insane this year for the SEC. It's it it shows they they keep showing it year after year that they are the best com- conference in college football. Yeah, and again, we can touch on that as well. Billy Napier moving uh from Louisiana Lafayette, uh the Raging Cajuns to uh the University of Florida. And this was his big spot. I mean, Dave, we've talked about it the last few weeks. Napier wanted that big big job that he felt he deserved uh and i think he he has proven uh at least at the rage and cajun level to be a uh a quality enough coach this is a big one and he is we talk about the hornet's nest of the sec the hornet's nest in uh in gainesville i mean after their fall from grace i don't think gator fans are going to give him a lot of time. I mean, he'll get one year and probably two years, you know, to to start putting his uh, his plans into place. But man, it it seems really, really tense in Gainesville right now. And you know, it's again the the expectations are mountainous right now uh, for these Florida Gators. Yeah, no doubt about it. Obviously, Dan Mullen could not get it done, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in this coaching carousel. Um, because you know his time was short-lived there. As far as in the grand scheme of things, he was there for what five, six years, yeah, and didn't really quite get a whole lot done. Um, obviously, Florida fans demand playoff or nothing else, so which is expected from a program as storied as Florida. So it'll be interesting to see what Billy Napier does. I think he's a winner as well, and he will be coaching. For all of our Louisiana Lafayette fans this this weekend, I'm sure if you don't know this, he's still he's still going to be there for the Sun Belt Conference Championship game this weekend before officially becoming that Florida head coach. And that could be a huge game uh, against App State, and we'll we'll obviously get into the lines later uh, later in the show. But wow, I mean, it's just it. It was crazy how fast things happened uh, in college football. And, you know, before we get into the games and everything, just a quick look elsewhere in sports right now. College basketball seems as volatile as it has been in years in this beginning stretch of the season. And we touched on it last week, Dave, with uh, the introduction to all these non-conference games to start the year. This is what we were expecting, and I'm so glad it's happening. And, and obviously the big one was uh, the Gonzaga-Duke game last week. Duke looks like they are on a national championship run. And then they go to Ohio State, who also, that's that ain't their first upset this year. Uh, Ohio State doesn't look terrible. Um, but just, I mean, Dave, your impressions of the, uh, college basketball season so far, cause for me, it's just bananas how crazy it's been. And I'm loving every second of it. It has been 
absolutely insane. And I mean, this year has been as crazy as it gets. Like it's just been, no one is safe. And there's already only 16 undefeated teams left, 15, 16 undefeated teams left right now, which is crazy considering there's 356 of them. And we're not even, we're, we're just about three weeks into the season and it has been absolute madness to this point and i can't wait for march to roll around because i have absolutely no idea who's going to win that there absolutely insane uh and here real, real quick i don't yeah, yeah. cut you off here but i'm gonna no, go for it i'm gonna throw you something if you had to pick one team three weeks into the season to win the national title in college basketball and obviously there's a lot of headlines to go over but i i just i just want to hear what what you who do you think that team is this this far in the season? Oh, man. I'll tell you, and even though they're coming off that loss to Ohio State, I'm not looking past Duke. Um, Duke is one of my favorites, one of two favorites so far, I'd say, just because you've got all the storylines around Duke, right? Everybody's playing their hearts out for Coach K every single night. Home home court advantage there's going to be none bigger than in Cameron indoor uh i i kind of like duke man i like the um and, and again i don't think the ohio state upset i don't think that sets them back at all because i think there's going to be a ton of upsets early in the year we already i mean gonzaga's got a loss to that duke team so and i it's it sounds like a chalk pick and i hate i hate it to sound like that but Duke really looks like they've got it figured out right now. So if, if you were giving me a free bet right now, I, I wouldn't mind tossing tossing it on Duke uh, to win the national championship. Uh, but but who have you got, Dave? I know you've probably got four or five teams that that can really uh, you think oh, yeah. can compete. Oh, yeah. But be- before I dive into mine, you said one of your two favorites. Who's that second team you've got there? I. I- Again, chalk pick. I'm going to go Gonzaga, and and I say that because last week and the week before, I've talked up Purdue, and I love Purdue. Um, I don't. They could be an elite eight team for me. I don't know if they have. I don't know if they can get as far as Duke and Gonzaga because Gonzaga has the players and the coaching. We know that Duke obviously has the coaching, and we're seeing now that these players that last year were not totally developed. We're seeing them develop into these superstars. And I it's chalk picks. I understand that our listeners are going to be like, what the hell? But you give me two picks right now for who I think in the national championship game, if it could line up like that, I could see Duke and Gonzaga facing off uh, in a few months from now. Oof, I'd, I'd love to see that game again. That would be that was such yeah. a fun game to watch between the two of them. It was crazy up and down. A high-scoring affair, and you're you're right. There, there's about there's about four or five teams that I'm looking at right now. Baylor's not bad be, either. I want to throw that out that's there. That's one of them. That that's one of my picks. I think they could go back to back. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've got the talent there. Obviously, losing Davion Mitchell was a huge loss because he was the heart and soul of this team. But this team is so talented. They're so fun to watch. They've played really good teams at this point in the season. They've beaten all of them. They're they're yep. one of those undefeated teams left that has been really, really fun to watch. And I think they could do it. I 
agree with you that Duke or Gonzaga could be there as well. Um, obviously, they're both loaded with talent. And I'm going to throw you a team here that not a lot of people are talking about, but I've been incredibly impressed with this point in the season. And I think they're going to win the Pac-12. I really do. And all of our listeners out there are going, oh, you're talking UCLA. No, I'm talking the Arizona Wildcats. Oh, that's a great pick. I think this team has been insane. They have run all the teams. They played up and down the floor. I mean, their closest game was that crazy game against Wichita State in overtime that they walked away with as a champion, as as a winner there. Because, I mean, that game was, was crazy. It was insane. It was like, oh my goodness! Like that was that was such a fun game to watch, and then they played Michigan, who was number four at the time. Obviously, we knew they we we've seen them to this point. They've really fallen off. They got dominated last night by UNC. They're going to fall completely out of the top twenty-five. But I'm really really excited to see this team play because they've they've got a lot of really quality teams on their schedule. And they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, I mean, they play Illinois December 11th. They play Tennessee December 22nd. Then they turn around and play UCLA on the road December 30th. If they can remain unbeaten through all of those games, they're going to be a top five team right then and there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, talking about Purdue a little bit, because I, again, I, I just love this Purdue team, man. Uh, but you look. The top scorers, Zach Eady and uh, Jaden Ivey, each averaging about 16 points a game. You go down the list of Williams, Newman. I mean, they, this team is so well-rounded in Purdue because not only do they score, but they defend like hell. I mean, they their defense is one of the top, if not the top in the country from what I've seen so far. And again, Dave, I like that Arizona pick because UCLA, they're sitting at six and one right now. Have they have they been totally impressive to you this year? Um, because you look at their, I mean, their big win was the win over Villanova in overtime, uh, second game of the year. But in the Gonzaga game, they didn't really feel close. They've kept uh, or they've allowed a lot of these teams to stay in it. Uh, you look at the Bellarmine and the uh, UNLV game uh, last night. They let Colorado hang around. It doesn't feel like this UCLA team has that total, um, uh, I guess, killer instinct. I guess you could say it, it doesn't feel like last year where it was like they they almost felt like an automatic team. I mean, am, am I out of line for saying that? Because when you, once you mentioned Arizona, I was like, oh, yeah, like I could absolutely see that because UCLA is still good. I mean, six and one, fifth best team in the country, obviously. But I don't know if this is that same, you know, insanely good, able to make a run deep in the uh in the tournament like we saw last year it's early in the year but i mean what are your thoughts on that dave this ucla team is they're still loaded with talent obviously they've been incredibly fun to watch obviously getting dominated by gonzaga was not what a lot of people were hoping to see there and that villanova game i like this villanova team a lot no doubt about it and 
I think if you lined up Villanova and UCLA again, if you line them up 10 times, I'm going to take Villanova to win that at least six times. I just think this mm-hmm. Villanova team is really good, too. They're another team to watch come March as well. But UCLA has not been overly impressive. They haven't necessarily blown a ton of teams out of the water. They haven't, you know, been crazy, crazy good. I mean, just looking at some of the scores of these games, they haven't been, they haven't just dominated everyone the way they should. They haven't taken care of business the way they necessarily should. And they've got a couple of games on the horizon. I mean, they've got Washington sitting here they play Sunday that, that Washington's not an awful team. They've got Marquette that they play next Saturday. That'll be a fun one to watch. They've got North Carolina coming up December 18th. And then they've got Arizona right after that as well. So that they, this schedule's not easy. And obviously they've earned that number five spot based on talent, the eye test and the teams they've played and won against as well as that Gonzaga game, which, you know, there's a reason Gonzaga's ahead of them still. Um, even with Gonzaga's one loss, because I mean, Gonzaga took care of business in that game, no doubt about it. But this UCLA team, I've got some questions for them. They're going to be, they're going to be a team to watch for sure. Coming through the pac 12 throughout the season. Now we're sec guys. So we got to hit on the sec, right? And uh, Kentucky sitting there at the ninth spot. Then we've got Tennessee in 13. Uh, Florida's ranked 14th. Alabama's at 16. Go down to Auburn at 21. Who is your standout team right now? Obviously, you know, Kentucky's sitting at the nine spot. But as we said, coming into this season, the SEC is going to be really good. And I, I cannot wait for the conference games to really, really get going. Um, but who who is your big standout team so far? And I mean, I, I know we both kind of want to say Mississippi State, um, but looking elsewhere as well, who do you see that could really make a run at Kentucky uh, for that top SEC spot? You skipped over a team right there, and it's that team sitting at the number 10 spot right now. Oh, I, I did. I'm so sorry. Team a lot. I love them. No, no, it's okay. You set it up perfectly for me because I love that Arkansas Razorback team. I absolutely love them. They're still unbeaten. They've played some some decent quality opponents. They've performed really well. And I, I really have enjoyed watching this Arkansas team play. They've earned that top 10 spot. And I, I think they, they get out. They defend really well. I mean, they played in that Hall of Fame classic. They, they went up against, you know, Kansas State and Cincinnati. And I really thought Cincinnati was a great pick in that game. They were plus five in that game. And I took Cincy there. And Cincinnati couldn't close down the stretch because Arkansas took care of business late in that game. And that's something to watch for a lot of these teams. Because, I mean, these these guys, I mean, this team is is going to be fun to watch. And they've got that Oklahoma game on the horizon. We just saw Oklahoma beat Florida last night in a crazy game. And that'll be one to watch for sure. But throughout this SEC, there's a lot of these teams that have been, you know, really, really fun to see play. There's a ton to take care of. I like this LSU team a lot. They're number two and scoring defense division one wide so that they they defended really well. Obviously I'm not really sure how will Wade hasn't gotten a lot more trouble for the violations that he's committed, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand that one, but just all, all across the sec. I mean, 
Georgia last night just got a big win for for them there because I mean they took down Memphis. And that's going to bump Memphis out of the top twenty-five. Okay, that was that was unexpected to me. I didn't I didn't expect them to take care of business the way they did last night. But I mean LSU said that eight and zero. Arkansas at seven and zero. Texas A&M has been a fun team to watch at seven and one. I mean, going down this list, they've got a lot of great teams here, and the only team with a losing record in the SEC right now is that Georgia team who just got a big win against Memphis last night. So it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. There's a lot of teams to keep an eye on, no doubt about it. So I'm really excited for this SEC season this year. Staying in basketball, let's move to the pros, Dave. In the NBA, uh, it's obviously, again, fantastic starts. We saw Trey Young's unbelievable performance the other night. Um, a, a near triple-double over the uh, over the Pacers. And Atlanta is, is sitting right there at the seventh spot. But we look at the standings right now in the East. Brooklyn is in first uh, with 15 wins. Washington, Milwaukee, and Chicago hold the two, three, four spots. They each have 14 wins. Uh, the five and six spot, Miami's in the fifth, and Cleveland is in the sixth. And then we move down seven through 10, Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, and the Knicks. Uh, and just sitting outside of that is uh, the 76ers and Toronto. Um, beyond that, it's just a disaster. But <laughs> in the East, man, uh, I don't know if you watched or if you caught the highlights, but the uh, Chicago Charlotte game with the Ball Brothers going up against each other, that was a fantastic game. Uh, and Chicago, I mean, I, I've told you from the start, Dave, Chicago has been the shocking team for me, and I'm impressed by them every game. Um, I, I, I really am. Uh, but what, what do you like in the Eastern Conference? Is everything kind of settled out for you? I mean, uh, who are you seeing? Who are you liking with the trends? And, uh, I, yeah, I'll just turn it over to you, man. I mean, this NBA season has been crazy thus far, obviously. You know, nobody expected the Cavaliers to be at 12 and 12 and 10 to this point in the season. They, they've had a great year. Um, but one thing to watch here, this Eastern Conference has been insanely competitive. No doubt about it. Um, you mentioned that Hornets-Bulls game, but that Hornets-Bucks game was insane in its own right. LaMelo came to play in that one. He's He should be an all-star this year. No doubt about it. He's playing like it. He looks really, really good, but this nobody expected the wizards to be at the, at the number two spot in the east right now as well there's a lot of surprises i mean just it's crazy to me that the eastern conference has 11 teams that are 500 or better at this point in the season there's only 15 teams in the conference and obviously <laughs> once you get below that sixers team it gets kind of ugly but in this raptors and pacers teams they're not bad either the magic and pistons they are bad but that's okay Everyone has their bad years, and usually Orlando's down there with them. But, I mean, this Heat team has been really fun to watch. The addition of Kyle Lowry has been crazy for them. The Bucks team looks ready to defend their title. The Nets, even without Kyrie and all the drama they've dealt with all year long, have looked really, really good. There's a lot of teams here that have been incredibly fun to watch, obviously. It's been good to see the Celtics kind of piece themselves back together. They've started figuring things out. They were in a defensive battle last night with the Sixers, and they, they they were able to eke out that win. There's a lot to dive into in this Eastern Conference. There's a lot of teams to watch. And will teams like 
like Washington and like Cleveland be able to keep this going because, I mean, they they both started off the season incredibly well, incredibly ahead of expectations. Can they keep it going? And teams like Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, Atlanta, and Charlotte, oh, as well as the New York Knicks there. And I'll even throw Philly in that conversation there. Those are Those are your kind of teams that you've got to open it up because any of them can get hot and win eight or 10 straight and run and, and kind of run away with this conference here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. A few stats as we are a betting show. Want to throw these out there uh, in the East. The best season long cover percentage belongs to Cleveland. They're covering 70.5% of their uh, spreads this year behind them at 63% is the Chicago bulls. And at 59% is Miami. Uh, the worst season season long cover percentages up to this point in uh, first is the Toronto Raptors at 36%. And they really are the outlier uh, in the East uh, for not covering. We look at the season long totals going over uh, Miami's games have gone over 59%. Charlotte has gone over 58% and Toronto has gone over 54%. Uh, in the unders, Cleveland has gone under 68%. Uh, and the Pelicans, no shock there, have gone under 64%. Streak-wise, obviously the Bucks are on an eight-game winning streak and the Pistons have lost seven in a row. Um and last thing I want to hit on the winning percentage at home. Atlanta is winning 80% of their games at home uh, as well as Washington. They're both winning 80% at home and best winning percentage on the road. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are winning 80% of theirs on the road and behind them, the Chicago Bulls are winning 63%. So just a couple little stat lines to throw out before, uh, um, before we get into stuff, but uh, does any of that any of that really come as a surprise, Dave? I mean, you look at uh, I think the big one for me is Cleveland covering seventy point five percent of their games. Uh, just I'm just shocked that Cleveland is this good this year. Yeah, and obviously it's they had a lot of big underdog spreads to start the year, and they they still kind of do. Obviously, they've gotten a lot slimmer. Vegas is adjusted for the fact that they are 12 and 10 this year. But I mean, that number was higher than 70% early in the year because they, they came out and they beat teams that they were 11 point, 11 point, 12 point underdogs too. And obviously, I mean, no surprise that Cleveland is, is that, is that top team as far as covering goes. Um, not a ton of surprises there as a whole, but I mean, those are great trends you're throwing out there because, I mean, obviously that's what our listeners are tuning in for here, and we hope you guys take take care of those numbers there. But the Bucks have looked really, really good recently. They've, they've won eight straight just outright on the money line. So that that's always been a team to look at there. They were dealing with some injuries early on. Now they've kind of been able to put most of those to the side, not all of them, of course, especially Giannis to the side. It's it's this Bucks team looks poised to go ahead and go back to back. And now we move to the West with Phoenix and Golden State leading the way with 18 wins. Utah sits behind them at 14 wins, rounding out the top six is Dallas, Memphis, and the Lakers. And then going from that seven to ten spot, the Clippers, Trailblazers, 
Timberwolves and Nuggets. And again, uh, obviously no surprise, the best season long cover percentage is the Golden State Warriors, uh, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, worst season long cover percentage, the Lakers. Lakers are only covering 34% of their games this year. Uh, following them is the Denver Nuggets at 38%. The Clippers at and Blazers both share at 40%. Uh, Lakers in the entire NBA have the most games gone over at 60% of their games. And the Warriors have the most games that have gone under in the NBA at 71% of Warriors games. Uh, and obviously, I it'd be crazy if we didn't talk about it. The Phoenix Suns win streak, Dave. It, I mean, it is so hard to put together any winning streak in all of sports. But in the NBA, with as much parity as in the league now, 17 games in a row is unbelievably impressive. And I don't want to <laughs> don't want to jinx them, but 17 is unbelievably impressive here. No doubt about it. And. Phoenix, obviously, that game with Golden State a couple of nights ago was incredibly fun to watch. Even without Devin Booker, they were able to close out and beat the Golden State Warriors, and it was insane. But I want to talk about the Lakers here because not only have they had their issues offensively, and that's, you know, usually people look at offense and think, you know, that's the reason they're not covering. But this defense here, if you're only covering 30% of your games, and it's going over, and you're going over the majority of your games. You've got to look at your defense here. They they just they've got all these big names, and they added a bunch of them, and none of them seem to be wanting to play defense. And that's the reason they're sitting at only twelve and eleven, slightly above five hundred. And they, they've got a lot to work on here if they really want to be a contender in a lot of people's eyes, because they're at, right now sitting there. When you look at the names on paper that are like, oh, this is this is not only a contender, but a favorite. But if you want to beat teams like Golden State come postseason time, you've got to play a lot better. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you hit that right on the head, Dave. I mean, the, the Lakers defense, they're they're so reliant on scoring that it it's almost like they, you know, <laughs> It almost seems like defense isn't even a priority with that team. And they're so reliant on their offense. And when that happens, like you said, like the offense, the moment the offense has the tiniest bit of struggle, they are completely sunk. And, and we've we've seen that play out this year. No doubt about it. They've got to be watching them. And obviously the Clippers this season, they have got to keep their their eyes open because, you know, we haven't seen a lot from Kawhi this year at all and you know Ka Kawhi hasn't played at all you know because that they, they've when are, when are we going to see Kawhi on the floor because we would love to see him get back into this this Clippers rotation I would I would they're they're missing him greatly but once they once they get him back they will be a contender in my eyes I think very quickly to hit on the NHL before we get into the NFL and college football slate. A few things I want to throw out uh, for our listeners. Uh, obviously, the Anaheim Ducks I've talked about, they've been the big surprise in the NHL this year. 
they are covering the puck line at 83% this year. That means 83% of their games, they've won by two goals, which is insane. The next closest one is the Capitals at 69%. And then a few streaks going on right now. The Dallas Stars have won five games in a row. And if any team in the NHL needed that win streak, it was them. You can also throw the Leafs into that conversation as well. They needed to turn it around. I saw them uh, about three weeks ago when they came to Raleigh to play the Hurricanes, and they just did not look like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now they're on a five-game winning streak. Uh, and a few really, really uh, interesting stats here. The Stars, who have won five games in a row, and each of those five games have gone under. So their defense and goaltending are playing at a astronomically good level right now. The New York Rangers have won the third period five games in a row. And lastly, the lowly Ottawa Senators have not covered the plus one and a half puck line in their last six games. And tonight they are traveling to Carolina to play a very hungry Carolina Hurricanes team who is, uh, is having a lot of injured slash COVID players come back tonight. And they're coming off of two really, really shocking losses. Um, I'll tell you right now, I know we'll go over it at the end of the show, our picks, but the Carolina Hurricanes minus a goal and a half is a lock tonight. Um, but going around the league again, uh, it, it, it's been really, really impressive uh, what the Anaheim Ducks are doing what Alex Ovechkin is doing in Washington. He hasn't slowed down a bit. The Columbus Blue Jackets are starting to play better. And Jacob Markstrom in Calgary, uh, he is the leader for the Vesna Trophy right now. Uh, he is a stonewall in goal for the Flames. And I mean, I, and I love my guy, Freddie Anderson in Carolina, but Jacob Markstrom is just on another level. He, he struggled in Vancouver because there was no defense in front of him, and now he's got a strong defense in Calgary. All of a sudden, looks like a Stanley Cup contender, and the games are just going to get better and better as we go down the stretch of the season, Dave. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you, Dave. I know uh, we had talked earlier in the season uh, about you know how great it was that ESPN has all the games now, and I was just going to see, you know, have you – uh, have you been able to watch any hockey lately? Have you been getting into it more? Uh, I know with everything going on, it's uh, there's it's almost a overstimulation of of sports right now. Uh, but I wanted to see what what you had. Oh yeah, I mean, it's this this hockey season has been crazy. Nonetheless, they they've been a ton of fun to watch here. But I just want to throw out a couple of picks for tonight if that's all right with you for oh, sure yeah. let's do it i mean i like i like washington by a puck and a half tonight i think that is got to be that there's great value there obviously minus 200 on the money line but if you can get them by, by a puck and a half that's that's sitting at plus 125 i think that's incredible value because i mean they, they've been profitable this season chicago's one of the least profitable teams in all of the nhl this has got to have, you know, that they're sitting at 14 and nine right there. I mean, at home, they're seven and four. I mean, Chicago is only two and eight on the road, just on the money line. But I think there's great value there by a puck and a half there for the Capitals against the Blackhawks. 
And one other game I want to touch on here. I just, I don't see this Colorado Montreal game getting to that six and a half point puck mark. I just, that, that six and a half goal mark. I think the under is the play here. Obviously, both of these teams love to go over, but I'm going to have to think that the under here is is the move. Six and a half is a lot. Am I wrong for thinking that one? No, uh, <clears throat> you're absolutely right, Dave. I was going to have that as one of my plays as well. Colorado uh, is coming off an eight to three loss to the Maple Leafs. Uh, so they scored. They scored three goals, and with their goaltending, you should at least be in the game. They got whooped there, and you know, automatically you would say this is a this is a game uh, that Colorado is going to be you know fired up to go play. You look on the other side. Montreal has had all those problems. They just got rid of their entire front office. There's a new air in Montreal, and I I'm with you, Dave. I love that under of six and a half. I think the goaltenders are, are going to come to play here. Yeah, that, that about it. Those are those are my my two plays today that really stick out for hockey. And I, you know, I haven't gotten to watch hockey as much as I was hoping I would this year when I when I called you and told you how excited I was. But I think it, it was incredibly a, a great move by the NHL still, nonetheless, to get all those games on ESPN Plus, just all of them, which is crazy. And I'd love to see something like that happen in in sports like the like the NBA and the MLB get sports that have a lot of regular season games being able to do something like that I think it's great for fans everywhere and I would love to see especially the NBA do something like that I don't know if they will in the coming years but I'd love to see it yeah I'll uh yeah I agree man um and I'll, I'll throw out my place for the night obviously I'm on that under of six and a half in the uh avalanche and Habs game uh again i'm taking the canes minus one and a half against the senators and again i mean i'm showing it at minus 135 for the puck line my uh by a goal and a half is minus 135 that's how bad this senators team is this year and dave i'm gonna see if i can get an alternate spread here let's see if i can go drive to virginia find one yeah (laughs) that's right uh (laughs) I mean, even at minus two and a half, it's plus 135, which is decent value. But I, I'll throw the Hurricanes on a parlay there. Um, I, I I think this is a big get right game for them. Um, a game that I like the over in is the St. Louis Blues and the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's sitting at five and a half right now. Uh, and again, these teams love to score. Uh I believe I just saw my phone come up that Jordan Bennington, uh, the Blues goaltender, is now out. Uh, I'm waiting to see. My phone is uh, not wanting to load right now. Let's see. Um, There we go. So the last few Lightning games, uh, two of their last three have been have gone over, uh, and the Blues have also. Uh, gone over in their last three games. And these teams played uh, played each other a few nights ago, funny enough, and the Blues came out on top four to three. I think there's going to be a lot of goals scored again in this game, over five and a half. Uh, I, I like it, especially St. Louis with their injury problems, not going to have Jordan Bennington. Tampa could score four goals themselves tonight. 
So I like that over of six and a half. But those are my only NHL plays tonight. Uh, but again, got, it's, yeah, go ahead, man. Oh, yeah. I've, I've just got one more that just that just stuck out to me here. And it's, it involves your Hurricanes. And I like the under in this Hurricanes game of six. If you can get it at six and a half, I think it's great. Yeah. But the the Ottawa Senators are go have gone under in seven of the eight games that they've faced teams allowing less than 2.6 goals per game. And the Hurricanes have gone under or pushed in nine of 11 games that teams are of teams that are allowing at least three goals a game. So that just feels like these two teams matching up against each other. The trends say under, and I've, I've got to follow the trends here. That's an excellent stat, Dave. That really is. And and six, six feels like a lot here because the Hurricanes could dominate and win four to one and still cover that under easily. That's a very sharp play there. I'm going to add that to my card as well. I love that underplay. Great stat there, Dave, man. I, I, I love that even, even more than the Hurricanes puck line. Uh, so that's a, Oh yeah. I mean, they, they could cover that, that puck line easy. I mean, they, this, this feels like, like you said, a 4-1 game or even a 3-0-4-0 kind of game, you know, mm-hmm. especially if, if you can hold the Senators to zero goals in this game or even one goal, I, I would expect them to not only cover that puck line but keep it under because, you know, the Hurricanes are clearly the better team here, but it's hard for me to see them go ballistic and score more than four goals in this game. Yeah. All right, Dave, let's hit. The Thursday night football game tonight, the Cowboys and the Saints. The Cowboys are six and a half point favorites here. Uh, The Saints have lost three in a row, uh, lost to the Bills pretty bad, lost to the Eagles pretty bad, and then had a close loss to the Tennessee Titans. Cowboys are coming off of two losses. Their last win was that drubbing of the Atlanta Falcons, 43 to three. Couple, couple little stats heading into this game. Excuse me. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott has scored the first touchdown in each of the Cowboys' last two games against the Saints. The Cowboys have lost each of their last five Thursday night games uh, and Thursday games in general. Uh, the Cowboys have covered 72% of their spread so far this season. The Saints have covered 45%. And Dave, I'll tell you, I'm not even going money line or spread here. My play tonight, Taysom Hill scoring a touchdown is plus 200. That player prop. It's a Taysom Hill game for the Saints. Uh, I I really think tonight I would almost lean the Saints to cover plus six and a half here. Uh, this is such a must-win game for both teams, obviously, if, if the Cowboys really want to stay perched atop of the NFC uh as best as they can and the saints are just trying to hold on to a wild card spot with all of their injuries but i'll tell you my biggest play tonight is Taysom hill Taysom hill excuse me getting a touchdown scoring a touchdown himself and that's sitting at plus 200 right now uh i think if they are within the five yard line kind of like cam newton you expect that Taysom hill is going to have the ball in his hand yeah, no doubt about it. And Taysom Hill is a bowling ball on the ground. I've got a, I love that play right there. Um, 
because I mean, that's great value at plus 200 right there. That's incredible value. I'd expect it to be a lot lower, something more like a plus 150, but plus 200 is an incredible value. That's a great pick right there. I love that one. In this game, I don't even know what to go with on either side. I haven't liked the way Dallas has looked recently. You know, they are coming off dropping two straight, but I mean, New Orleans has dropped quite a few in a row themselves. They've dropped mm-hmm. four straight in their own right after starting the season, you know, five and two. They're they're sitting at five and six now. And, you know, one of these two teams you've got to you've got to bounce back, you think, right? Yeah. But I think New Orleans is going to dominate the time of possession in this game. And obviously this Cowboys team is extremely electric. But for that reason, I'm going to take the under of 46. I think the under in this game is the play there. I think having Taysom Hill at quarterback means a lot of runs. I think that, I mean, Taysom Hill gives them a much better chance to win than Trevor Simeon does, but I'm not confident enough there. I think plus 220 on the money line there is good value there. It's not good enough for me to want to take it. I like the under of 46 in this game. I love the under as well, Dave. That was going to be the next thing I said, man. I I think this is going to be a really, really low-scoring game maybe close to a stinker Thursday night game, honestly, uh, because I don't think the Saints are going to put up a lot of points. And, you know, the Cowboys had those couple weeks in a row where they were scoring a lot, and we just haven't seen that. So I I really think, um, and I, I guess Vegas is expecting a lot of points. I was expecting this to be more of like 42 over under, uh, but 46 is, is a little, little too high for me. Um, and I think you're right with the Saints. I mean, that, you know, I, I think the Cowboys are going to win the game. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's worth putting anything on the Saints money line. Um, I would have liked that to be a lot higher uh, on the Saints money line for me to touch it. And again, you know, I don't want to have to buy a half point just to get the, you know, to get the seven and then the Saints lose by, you know, three, three scores. So, I'm with you, man. I I, I love that play. Uh, I think we're both on the same page on the under, and I've got uh, the Taysom Hill uh, touchdown prop. Uh, but, you know, staying on this really quickly, the Cowboys, I've lost confidence in the Cowboys the last, like, three weeks or so. Because, you know, two, three weeks ago, I was like, this team – not only could make the Super Bowl, they could win the damn thing. Now I'm I'm kind of wishy-washy. I'm 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 kind of backing down. Um, I, I kind of feel like this is the typical Cowboys story playing out again. Do they have the talent to turn this around? But can they? Is this just going to be another Cowboys season where it's just you know lost hopes? I don't think it is yet. I think, I mean, looking at this this Dallas Cowboys team right now, they have got to turn it around, no doubt about it, because, I mean, being in the NFC East gives you some advantages, and this team has the talent to just kind of, you know, turn it on at some point, even if that means in the first round of the playoffs is when they turn it on. But I, I have got to expect them to do so at some point. Will they? I don't know. But I think they will. I mean, look at their schedule right now. They've got New Orleans on the road, Washington on the road, New York on the road. 
Then they finish off with Washington at home, Arizona at home, and on the road at Philly. So, I mean, looking at these games, I would take them to probably confidently win four of those games, both of them against the football team, one against the Giants, and one against the Eagles. Just winning those NFC East games puts them, in my eyes, at worst, at 11-6. and six. I think that that would put you potentially at that two seed there. Maybe even could squeeze in the one seed. It'll be interesting to see because this Dallas team right now sitting at the four spot and Washington's trying to squeeze out a wild card spot here too. They're in the seven spot right now, but I'm really interested to see if this Dallas team can turn it on. It's nice that night. If they're going to turn it on to do it now. All right, Dave, it is conference championship weekend in college football. We finally have made it and Still, the college playoff picture may not be clear because it could get haywire this weekend. Uh, But let's start tomorrow night, Oregon and Utah. And this is a neutral site. I believe this game's in Vegas. Uh, But Utah is not going to have that home field advantage that we saw a few weeks ago when uh, these two teams played. Utah is a two and a half point favorite here. The over under is at 58. And again, I don't know which way this is going to go. I'm going to go the under again. Uh, I'm going to take the under of 58 in this game. Uh, I feel like it being uh, a neutral site game um, is it's not going to be a great home field advantage for either of these teams. I don't believe uh, you look, you know, going back, uh, Utah's last three games have been three wins over Colorado, Oregon, and Arizona. Oregon is two and one in their last three games. The win over Oregon State, the loss to Utah, and the win over Washington State. Uh, I would lean Utah by two and a half here, Dave, but my only play in this game is the under of 58. I. I'm really going to have to lean towards Oregon here. I know it's, I was all over Utah the first time they beat them. And now I, I'm feeling Oregon here. I really yeah. do think the Ducks can bounce back in this Pac 12 title game. And, you know, looking at the, the college football rankings right now, if all chaos breaks loose, I don't think Oregon is that far away from. A playoff spot, really. If they come out and they dominate Utah, sitting at the 10 spot right now, they've got Baylor in front of them. So you've got to think Baylor, Oklahoma State would get in before they would. I would take them to jump Ole Miss clearly. I think I would think they would jump Ohio State just with the head-to-head there. And I would think that they could jump Notre Dame without a head coach. I I just if they come out and they run Utah off the field and all chaos breaks loose, there's a chance for four of the top five teams to lose. And if all four of them do so, could Oregon squeeze in the playoff? I don't know. I wouldn't take them to. I just don't think it's impossible, and I think that they know that. So I'm going to take Oregon money line in this game at plus 115. They got to play all out if they want a shot, man. Uh, You just talked about them, Baylor and Oklahoma State. 
Oklahoma State's a five and a half point favorite. The over under is at 46 and a half. I've loved the Cowboys all year. I'm still going to love Oklahoma State here. Uh, I know everybody is loving Baylor, which makes me love Oklahoma State even more. Uh, I love Oklahoma State by five and a half here. And then the team total for Oklahoma State is 26 and a half. I want to go. Oh, I, I want to go over on that. But I also have a feeling that this could be just an all out war, low scoring game, uh, which I mean, Vegas is telling me that I expected this to be in the upper 50s for the total. But obviously, both these defenses are uh, especially Oklahoma State. I mean, this is the probably the best defense that Mike Gundy has ever had uh, and p- potentially the best team that Mike Gundy has had. Uh, and I mean, you look on the Baylor side of things as well. Their defense is decent. Um, Oklahoma state has covered the spread in nine of its last 10 games and each of Baylor's last six games against teams from Oklahoma have gone under the total points line. So it's telling me this is going to be a lower scoring game. I'm going to stay away from the uh, Oak State team total. I'm just going to take uh, the Cowboys by five and a half here. I agree with you. I think that Oklahoma State will take care of business on Saturday and they will win this game. I'm not going to give any playoff predictions right now. I want us to dive into those of what we think will happen after this weekend at the end of our college football pick. So I'm not going to give any spoilers there of whether or not I think the Cowboys will get in, but I think they do cover five and a half. They're nine, one and one against the spread this season, which is incredibly profitable. And I think they will keep the profit moving. I like them by at least touchdown against Baylor. Not anything crazy for me here. I I just, I like the favorite to cover it. It's that simple. I think Oklahoma state is at least five and a half points better than Baylor. I would take them by a touchdown, if not 10 points. I like Oklahoma State in this game. I'm staying away from that over-under as well. I think Oklahoma State take care of business. I love Oklahoma State, man. I've said it. I sounded crazy like three weeks ago saying they may be able to do it. Uh, and like you said, we're going we're gonna to wait till next week to talk about the, uh, the playoff after everything gets settled. Quickly for our listeners, Kent State and Northern Illinois – the Mac baby and just throwing this out there since 2015, the underdog in Mac championships have only lost one time. So the underdogs have reigned supreme in the Mac championship. Uh, Northern Illinois is a three and a half point dog on the money line. They're plus plus one thirty-three. Uh, quickly. Northern Illinois this is this is what scares me. Northern Illinois has failed to cover the spread in each of its last seven games in December, and seven of Northern Illinois' last eight games against teams from Ohio have gone over the total points line. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Vegas does too. That's why it's sitting at 73 and a half right now. I just, for the sake of the trend, I'm going to throw a little on Northern Illinois money line at plus 133 right now. Uh, just to see if it keeps going. It I, it may not even be a full unit. It may be a half unit play, but I just want to throw that out there to our listeners. I like the golden flashes. 
I really, I really do. Now, there's nothing that really sticks out that says, you know, this is why I like them. This is an ugly game in this championship. Oh, but yeah. like, I mean, you've got a six and five team playing a seven and four team. Usually, the MAC throws some ten win team into into the mix, but they not not this season. They're not not doing it this year. But I like Kent State here. Kent State as a favorite is four and one on the spread this year, and when they're a road favorite or a neutral favorite, they are two and zero oh against the spread this year, and they're one and zero oh against Northern Illinois on the season, including covering a three and a half point spread there. So we're right back at three and a half here. I like them to do it again. Utah State and San Diego State. San Diego State's a six-point favorite over under sitting at 50 right here. And I love San Diego State. I'm going to roll with them by six here. Uh, they've won their last three games, and that was against uh, Boise State, which is a good win, over UNLV, which is a not a great win, but they still won, uh, and over Nevada uh, Utah State is two and one in their last three games, but they are scoring a lot of points. Uh, 10 of San Diego State's last 12 games is a favorite in California have gone under the total points line and San Diego State has covered the spread in each of its last four games against teams from Utah. And, you know, obviously Utah State likes to score a lot of points. I don't think they're going to. I like San Diego State, and I like the under of 50 in this game. Yeah, I, I like San Diego State here a lot. I think they roll here, and they, they set themselves up with a fantastic 11-1 and one season. They're 5-5-1 five, five and one against the spread. I like them to make it 6-5-1 and one and close the year as an 11-win team after winning – by at least a touchdown here over Utah State. App State and Louisiana, we already talked about Billy Napier. He will be there, and he is a three-point underdog in this game to App State. Uh, again, App State, a uh, three-point favorite here. Uh, Louisiana has won their last three games. Uh, App State has as well. Uh, Louisiana has done it against much stronger teams than App State has, though. Uh, and head-to-head -head, last two meetings, including this year, uh, Louisiana Lafayette beat App 41 to 13. And then the year before that, excuse me, uh, beat them 24 to 21 in the conference championship last year. Uh, year before that, App State won 45-38. These two teams know each other really, really well. Uh, 13 of Louisiana's last 14 games at Cajun Field have gone under. The total points line and Louisiana has covered the spread in each of its last six games as an underdog against non AP ranked teams. Being in North Carolina, I've been able to watch App State games. They are a much better first half team than second half team. Uh, I am going to go. I'm going to go App State minus one and a half in the first half. My only play in the game. Uh, because App State tends to uh, slow down in the second half, and I think they can hold on. Uh, this is going to be a very close game, though, and I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Billy Napier, he could 
potentially went big here in his last game uh, uh, coaching the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, I'm going to have to take Billy Napier on this Raging Cajun team on the money line at plus 120. I think that's that's really good value there. I like this Raging Cajun team a lot. Uh, I mean, sitting at 10-1 and one on the season, only 5-6 and six against the spread, but I think they moved that number to 500. I think that these players will sell out. The Billy Napier has brought them all there for a reason. Wouldn't surprise me to see some of them transfer to Florida after this season because this team is a good one. I like them to take care of business against App State. And looking back, looking at the first time these two teams played this season, Louisiana Lafayette wiped them out 41-13. to 13. I like them to do probably be a little closer than that, but I like them to, to win this game once again. Dave, let's move to Houston and Cincinnati. And I'll tell you right now, Houston has 83% of the money on them covering the 11 point spread. That scares me a lot because I immediately, when this line first dropped earlier this week, I immediately wanted Houston and everybody else does. And again, they're all wrong. They, I, I think they are. Um, I, I haven't loved this Houston team yet this year. Uh, I said it the other week. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I got some comments from friends like, man, they're like Houston is good this year. I'm like, yeah, but they're not on that level of Cincinnati. Uh, but 11 points is a lot, Dave. I want to hear what you have to say about this game uh, before, before I give my pick. I'm going to take Cincinnati by 10 and a half here. I think that the public, being on Houston gives me more reassurance of why I want to take Cincinnati here. This is a spot that people are going to be still, or people are still calling for them to not even be in the top four. This is another opportunity for them to show why they should be there. Last time they had an opportunity like this, it was against SMU. They dominated that game. Expect them to dominate this one too. Houston is really good. They've won. The only game they've lost this season was week one. They haven't lost since then. They're going to lose again. They're going to lose by at least 17 points in my eyes. I'd take Cincy by two touchdowns in this game. If there's an alternate spread for 13 and a half, I'm taking it. I like Cincinnati a lot. By I'll take them by 10 and a half. Easy here. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and, and like we've said before, Dave, the Cincinnati Bearcats, they have to continue to win and win big. And what better way to prove to the playoff committee that they deserve to be there than a absolute drubbing, a just drumming of Houston here. And, you know, if if they win this game by 21 points or more, I mean, I I think they're well-deserving of a playoff spot. Um, And again, they've made it this far. You know Cincinnati is going to play their hearts out because they know – a, a loss or even potentially like a very close win could have massive consequences for their college football playoff dreams. Yeah, I mean, it's they, they have got to blow this team out of the water. I, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give my, my playoff prediction here. We'll dive into that here in a minute after we finish these games. But I, I think Cincinnati knows what's at stake. 
and they know what they have to do and they have the talent to be able to do it. I think they will take care of business handily in this game. Last thing I want to say on Cincinnati is we talked about it earlier, Dave, that this has been one of the most consequential weeks in college football that we've seen. If Cincinnati wins this game and makes the college football playoff, you know, we had talked earlier this year about, you know, if Cincinnati doesn't make it, it's going to force them to expand the playoff. And now I was thinking about this the other day, man. I wanted to get your opinion. I feel like whatever happens is going to force the committee's hand to expand the playoff because if they win and they're in, there's going to be some teams that are sitting out on the outside that believe they deserve a spot, um, which we could see with Oregon, obviously. We just said. I think this is a totally consequential game for Cincinnati, uh, especially if they win. I think there's going to be a lot more power in these power five conferences saying, Hey, it's not fair that we were left out for a group of five team or whatever. Like, I don't know that that thought came to me, but I wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah. There, there's, there's a potential to be set up here where there's, there's someone left out on the outside that believes they should be in. And I think it's, it's just good for the sport as a whole to expand it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Obviously more teams get an opportunity for a national title more money is made by the NCAA and all of their, you know, all their supporters, the, all the TV networks make more money. The schools have a chance to make more money. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with expanding the playoff to six, if not eight teams. I think six would be a great number to start at if they, if they don't want to, you know, inc- expand it to eight for some reason. I think giving those one and two seats a buy is a huge, huge advantage. You, you've earned that one or two spot and you deserve that buy, I think they should give it to them. I think eight's the perfect number here. Obviously, you'll have those teams that are, you know, at the nine spot. No one will ever be truly happy. But, if I mean, just looking at the current college football playoff rankings right now this week, imagine getting to see, you know, you get to see Ole Miss versus Georgia in a first-round matchup. It'd be crazy. Ohio State versus Michigan, a rematch in the first round. Crazy. Alabama versus Notre Dame, probably not as crazy. Cincinnati and Oklahoma State would be crazy as well, I think. I mean, that those are incredible. At least three out of four of them in my eyes are crazy <laughs> first-round matchups. Sorry, Notre Dame fans, but, I mean, you know what happens every time you get to the four spot. So, it's it would I think it would be so, so fun to watch. And, obviously, it would be crazy to see. I, I mean, I think... Imagine watching. I mean, I wish we would have gotten to see it this year. All this offense against that Georgia defense would be insane to watch. I'd love to see it. I mean, there's so much potential around all of these games. Yeah. And I don't understand why you wouldn't do it, why you wouldn't give four more teams full of players a chance at a national championship. And if that means dropping off one regular season game, so be it. So it's be worth it. it. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. Iowa, Michigan, Michigan, a 10 and a half point favorite here. The over-unders at 43 and a half, which seems a little low for such a big point spread there. Uh, Everybody's on Michigan here. Obviously, you know, the win over Ohio State was dominant. 
Michigan has covered the spread in seven of its last eight games and seven of Michigan's last eight games against top 15 ranked teams have gone over the total points line. Dude, I don't know why I'm still nervous to take Michigan. I because Michigan. <laughs> exactly. It, it, but it's also Iowa, right? Like I even though Iowa deserves to be in this spot, I I don't know, man. Like I, I'm I'm up in the air. I mean, Michigan should dominate this game if they are the team that they are expected to be, I guess you could say. Um they should win this game by two touchdowns. Are they that team, though? I, I don't know, man. I mean, wh- what do you see with this spread? It's an interesting one. I think this would be the most Michigan thing ever to come into this game and lose. I think it really would be. I don't think it's going to happen. This Iowa team, we saw them get as high as number two this year. You and I both kind of felt they didn't belong at number two. They're back at 13. Now it feels about right. You know, this this Iowa team, they started off, they won six in a row. They were 6-0, and oh, sit at that number two spot. They dropped back-to-back games to Purdue and Wisconsin, which both have not proven to be not bad teams, obviously. And then they've, they've won four straight to close it out. So they're kind of getting back into the rhythm. They've they've put themselves in a groove. Um, I mean, but I mean, last week they were underdogs to Nebraska. And you've got a team that they won that game outright. Don't get me wrong, they did. They won it by a touchdown. But... Michigan's got to take care of business here, right? They've got to do so. However, 11 feels a little high. I think Michigan wins. I don't think they cover. I like Iowa plus 11. Oh, I'm glad you said that, man. I, I'm i with you. I think, I, I think it's too many points. And I know, I know I just gave out the stat that was talking about the, uh, the overs in Michigan games. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I think this is going to be a fight. You know, Michigan, they're going to be riding high, obviously, off that Ohio State game. And Iowa, they're not a pushover team. I mean, we they're not going to, I don't want to say roll over like Ohio State did, but Michigan, that was a level of a Michigan team we haven't seen in a long time, maybe ever in the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan. Can they keep that up? And I think even if they win by seven here, that's still a good win for Michigan, but they're not going to cover. I'm with you. I like, I'll say it. I, I like Iowa there uh, to, uh, to cover that spread, man. And it, it, it seems crazy because Michigan looks like a team I mean, hell, they look like a team last week that could take on Georgia and not just take on Georgia, but go, you know, possibly completely demolish their defense. Uh, See, I I know, I know, (laughs) I know I'm, I may be, I may be treading on, you know, treading on thin ice saying that. And I don't know. See, the other thing with this game is I don't know if that was Ohio State choking and or Michigan finally taking that next step. Like, I think that's the I think that's the golden question here. Was that Michigan finally taking that next step? 
I it was it was a oof. I mean it was a fun game to watch. Obviously, Ohio State has that they didn't play defense. They haven't played defense a lot this year. They've beaten teams fifty nine to thirty one. They still allowed thirty one points, and they played a good team in Michigan. And Michigan ran up the score on them. And they 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 didn't have any trouble scoring. Iowa's different. Iowa plays defense. Iowa has a good defense in that matter. They've got a really good defense. And I think they're going to keep this game close for that reason because Michigan's not going to be able to do whatever they want to. There's a reason this over-under sitting at 43.5 is because they know that Michigan themselves has a good enough defense to be the number two team in the nation. But Iowa has a really, really good defense. And I think that, you know, with the spread, with an over-under like 43.5, do you really expect Michigan to win, you know, at least – 28 to 17 i don't think so i think iowa scores at least at least 21 here i I think it'll be like a 28 21 maybe a 30 to 21 kind of game and i think michigan walks away victorious i do it wouldn't shock me to see the wolverines lose this game but i think that iowa keeps it close i don't think michigan comes in and blows them out of the water very quickly, uh, the ACC championship, Wake, Forest, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a three-point favorite here. The over-under's at 72. Yawn. Yawn. Uh, the favorite <laughs> has covered the spread in each of Wake Forest's last six games. Each of Wake Forest's last four games is an underdog against AP-ranked teams have gone under the total points line. I think you're right. I think this is going to be a yawner. I've, I'll tell you, though, I like Kenny Pickett, but I think this is going to be a yawner um, and Wake's magic is it's weared off. I'm taking pit. I'll keep it easy. Pit minus three and then move on. Yeah, I'll keep it easy. Pit minus three too. congratulations to the pit Panthers and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. You guys have had great seasons in a season that Clemson did not have a great season. Yeah. So congratulations to whoever wins this ACC championship. You're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. You're going to get demolished by whoever you play. I don't care who it is. You're getting <laughs> run over. It doesn't matter. It's like pro- I've I've seen some projections with it being Old Miss playing Ole the winner Miss, of this game. Yeah. Oh man, that would be a bloodbath. Like, yep. What that would the Old Miss <laughs> should come out as a 17 point favorite in that game, and I would take them to cover it. Take it easily. Yeah, easily. I mean this. Let's not. I don't. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I'm sorry for shit talking the ACC, but uh, like this, this isn't y'all's year. Sorry. Yeah. When Clemson's not good, it's not your year. You had some hope with Wake Forest. They've fallen off. I like Pitt here, minus three. All right, Dave. And now to a game that actually matters and one of the Whew. biggest games Georgia and Alabama. Alabama is a six and a half point underdog. The over under sits at 49. My dog's going crazy in the background. If our listeners hear anything, she's riled up for the game. All right. Georgia has covered the spread in each of its last six games as a favorite against teams from Alabama. And each of Georgia's last five games against AP ranked teams have gone under. The total points line, everyone is expecting 
Uh, Bama's off. Well, I shouldn't say everyone. I've seen some talking heads expecting Bama's offense to come in and light it up. First off, I'm taking the under of 49. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. Uh, six and I'm just, I'm just going to throw it out there, Dave. You're going to call me crazy again. Six and a half points is a lot of points to give Alabama. They haven't been this big of an underdog since 2015. And that was against Georgia and they smoke Georgia. This is a different Georgia defense, though. Not just Georgia team, because I almost separate the Georgia team and their defense in general. Um, and I don't know what my dog is scratching, and I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> my dog's going crazy. Uh, but what do you think? I mean, is six and a half points too many here? Uh, or is Georgia just going to roll here and it's not going to be a problem? If you gave me the resumes of these two teams and you told me one was Alabama and one was Georgia, I'm going to get them wrong. That's just what it is. This has been an incredible, incredible year for Georgia. And I don't care what happens in this game. Congratulations to Georgia. You're going to the college football playoff. With that being said, six and a half is a lot. It's a lot. I know, man. It's know. a lot. I might. I, I'm. I know. I know. See, I'm oof. right there with you. I'm right there with you because Bama. I mean, look at the Auburn game. It was like Bama was dead for three quarters. Like they weren't even a bad Bama team. It was like they were New Mexico State or, you know, North Carolina Central. Somebody like that playing Auburn. They had nothing, and they've done that in game after game. And eventually, like, we have to say they are who we thought they were. This is the team that Alabama is. They're not that great team. But, again, it's Nick Saban in a conference championship game. You know, I, I look at this almost almost like a Patriots, almost like a Patriots game with Bill Belichick. You don't go against Bill Belichick in Foxborough in a conference championship game, right? You know, and granted, this is – this is a neutral site game, and I wouldn't even say neutral site because in in Georgia, I mean that's going to be probably seventy five percent Georgia Bulldog fans uh, uh, there. Nope, it, it will be. It's probably going to be sixty percent Alabama fans. These you we've think? seen this before. These Bama fans travel; they go everywhere. They know how big this game is. And these Bama fans, they've played Georgia there before. They've played Florida there before. They do it almost every year. It feels like and they pack out Atlanta. They really do. Obviously, Georgia fans, it's the easiest closer to get there. It'll probably be a little bit less of a home field advantage for Alabama than it usually is in Atlanta. But I, I would be, I think it's, it's. I'll take it, it'd probably be closer to 50-50, I think. I, I don't know if it'll be majority Bama fans because Georgia fans are extremely excited for what they've done this season. But those ticket prices oh. are sitting there... <laughs> They're like fifteen hundred for a single ticket, which is crazy. But this game is that good, and I'll go ahead and throw it out there. I'm taking Alabama plus six and a half. Sidebar, really quick, Dave. Have you seen the prices for Coach K's last game in Cameron Indoor? Oh, it is unbelievable. There's like a center court seat I saw. Uh, it was on Twitter that was selling for eighty three thousand dollars for one game. One game, and that's not VIP treatment or anything. It's just uh, ticket prices are what they are, man. But I, holy cow, that's 
that's 50, that's crazy. <laughs> that's insane for a basketball game. All right, Dave, are we going to pull the trigger? Are we going Bama plus six and a half? Because I, I, I don't bet against Bama. You can't do you it. Can't do it, right? Not you can't. In this kind of game. And I bet it, against them last week. I bet on Auburn last week. I took yep. them, and I was like, Auburn. That's a lot for the Iron Bowl. Look, I, I, I could see Georgia steamrolling. I could. Georgia is is a much better team than Alabama is. But wouldn't this be got, classic Georgia? Wouldn't this be classic? We've seen it. How many times have we seen Georgia in the SEC championship game and the choke of the century happens? I mean, and this this would be an all-time choke job. I mean, you know, I, I've said it before about Mike Gundy uh, choking at Oklahoma State. I didn't say it today because I got confidence in him, but this would be an all-time, all-time ups. I'm crazy to call it an upset but an upset and then you know and then bama's i guess they're i mean what it does to the college football playoff is just it's crazy it's just it's It's, it it hurts my album wins this game and we'll dive into this playoff picture in a minute but it it could cost somebody a a spot that might deserve it yeah it really could and but man I don't want to bet against Alabama. I don't want to do it. I think Georgia is that much better than them. I think I think Georgia's six and a half points better than them. Will they be on Saturday? I don't know. I like Georgia to win this game 31-28. I'll take Alabama covering that spread. I like Georgia to win this game, though. This has got to be Georgia's year. But, Miles, do you know when the last time that Alabama that Georgia beat Alabama was like, do you have any idea off the top of your head? <laughs> um, not recently. I, I, I couldn't imagine it's been recently, uh, not off the top of my head. Um, I, I don't have a stat. Do you have one? Georgia, Georgia I just, I just found it. Georgia beat Alabama in 2007. When Matthew oh Stafford God. was the quarterback at Georgia. Oh my God. <laughs> they haven't done it since it's 2021. We're in December of 2021. They haven't done it in 14 years. I think they do it Saturday. I do I think they do it. And we've been high on Georgia all year long, but yep. this is a trap. Like you've like this is such a trap. 80, 80% of the bets are on Georgia by six and a half. 80% of <sighs> God. And Vegas is not going to move that line any higher no. because they know it's Alabama. They know it is. They're not going to get people the satisfaction of taking Bama plus seven and a half. It's yep. too easy. Yep. Too easy. God. I like I, Bama plus six and a half. I'm going to ride with them. I think that Georgia wins the game. I do. But Bama plus six and a half. I might even mess around and buy that point there. If Vegas wants me to buy that point, make seven and a half at minus 150 or whatever it'll be. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think you almost have to because, I mean, here's the thing with this game, man. What has been the story all year for this Alabama team? They don't start. I mean, Jesus Christ, we've seen it as Mississippi State fans, the team not starting until the second half. But Bama just, it's, they have to start fast. I'll tell you what, if, if Bama scores first, it got to be a touchdown, not a field goal. If Bama can go down the field, 
if they get the kickoff, they go downfield and put points on the board first. I I think I think we're pretty safe with them covering because they they have to get in that defense's head and they got to get Bryce Young going too like that. I mean, it, it was it was like they had a brand new offensive coordinator in in that Auburn game. It was actually like they had five different ones with everything they were trying to do with Bryce Young. Um, and I'll tell you what, I know Bryce Young wouldn't care about it, but you talk about a, uh, a Heisman performance. If he can go in there and not just pull out the cover, obviously, but win the game, I mean, it'd be crazy, but I, 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 you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hit it. I'll take Bama plus the six and a half. I, I think we got to do it, Dave, and we'll ride into battle. One thing to watch here. I don't believe that Alabama starting running back Brian Robinson will be playing Saturday. I believe it will be Trey Sanders. So we saw in the fourth quarter, he's very talented. He's had a hell of a ride to get back there. He's dealt with injuries in his entire college career. He was a five-star coming out, and he was so good in high school. And now it looks like he's going to be the starting running back for Alabama. Brian Robinson's a game changer. He's a bowling ball. He's a four yards a carry, every single carry kind of guy. Will it have that big of an effect on this game against that front seven for Georgia? Does Trey Sanders come out and play scared? Does he do that? Oh man, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think so. He's yeah. extremely talented, and this is this could be a coming out game for him. He could go for hundred yards against this Georgia defense and and win the game for him. He could be that kind of X factor. Yeah, I like I like Alabama plus six and a half though. All right, there it is. I, I'll I'll ride with it. I'll go plus six and a half. I'm definitely taking the under as well of 49. Uh, I think this is going to be I think this is going to be a close, closer, uh, lower scoring game. Alabama wow. team total at 21 over under. Oh, I. I don't know, man. See, because I could, I could absolutely see this being a, you know, does Alabama score more than three touchdowns in a football game? Does it happen? You know what, man? I'm gonna say, I'm my prediction is twenty three to seventeen. Georgia wins. We get the cover. I don't think Bama scores three touchdowns, but I think I think twenty three to seventeen. We'll hit the under. I I don't think I, I just can't see this being a crazy high scoring game unless Georgia just goes crazy with it. I I, I don't know, man. I it, it's tough, but I'll 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 just leave it at that. I'll say give me Bama plus six and a half, and I'll take the under of 49. I'll take I'll take Bama plus six and a half. I'm not gonna touch that over under. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. I think it's close, though. I think it becomes a close one. We could see a four-overtime battle at that point. Alabama will cover that plus six and a half. All right, so now we have to talk about the college football playoff and what happens. I mean, this is, again, like we said, this could get crazy. Um, And again, you know, uh, Georgia's first, uh, Michigan's in the two spot, Alabama three, Cincinnati four. 
Oklahoma State at five and Notre Dame at six. Again, you know, there's scenarios where Notre Dame could potentially sneak in uh, <laughs> without Brian Kelly as their head coach. But, uh, I mean, you look at this. I, if Michigan loses and Cincinnati loses, everything goes haywire, I think. Because, I mean, really, Oklahoma State could could lose to Baylor as well. I don't think they will. But you look at three of those six teams could potentially lose. And obviously, either Georgia or Alabama is going to lose, too. So you could say four of the six teams there uh, could potentially lose. I mean, Dave, what do you, what do you see happening here, man? Because I, I don't even know how to call this going into the weekend. Because I think it it could either stay chalk and just be Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Cincinnati wins, Alabama loses, and you know Oklahoma State maybe slides up into that four spot. It could be as chalk as that, or it could be haywire, man. I mean this this is going to be one of the craziest. You you talk about crazy weeks in sports from you know I guess eight days last Friday through Saturday through this coming Saturday night the entire college football world is just going to be haywire. I hate going with chalk. I hate it. I want to see chaos. I want to see everything that's not supposed to happen, happen. However, chalk is my (laughs) pick. I've got Georgia winning and staying at one. I've got Michigan winning and staying at two. I've got Alabama losing, dropping out of the college football playoff. I have Cincinnati winning and moving into the three spot. And I have Oklahoma State winning and moving into the four spot. And I think Oregon can move up as high as number five. But I don't think the Ducks are going to be able to squeak in the playoff. I think they're going to put on the kind of performance that could allow talking heads to just say, what if, you know, what if the committee loves Oregon that much and they could get there? But I I think it's it's Georgia versus Oklahoma State in round one and Michigan versus Cincinnati in the other half of round one. And I think if you had to give me a pick right now, I'm going to pick Georgia and Michigan to be in the championship game, which congratulations, Michigan fans, but <laughs> your run comes to an end there. I like Georgia to be the national champion. I'm going to go with you. Uh, I And again, I, I've made a lot of chalk picks today, but again, sometimes you're just calling it how you see it. I mean, chalk is reality sometimes, man. I mean, that, that'll be our next shirt. Chalk is reality. I I, I agree with you, man. Uh, I, I like it to be a Michigan and Georgia uh, national championship game. And, and you know, I, I look, I think Michigan's offense proved that uh, and, they, and they could prove again this weekend that maybe they do give Georgia a little bit of a fight. But this is this is Georgia's. I'm not going to say this is Georgia's year because you got to you got to prove it. But this is the best shot that Georgia's had probably since, you know, going back to those Matthew Stafford years. You know, I, I don't think. I don't think Georgia has had this big of an opportunity to win a national championship. And I don't think they're going to 
uh, in the next few years as well after a lot of these guys leave. So I, I'll go with Georgia as the national champion as of uh, Thursday, December 2nd. And again, next week could be completely different depending on what happens on Saturday. But I, I agree with you, Dave. I, I, I think it's going to stay pretty chalk. And again, I'm all right with that because I know the games are going to be great. Oh, that they will be. It's going to be a lot of fun this weekend in college football. And I, I oof, can Georgia actually win the national championship? I, I This has got to be their year. It's got to be, right? Yeah. I, I think if they get past Bama, you know, and, and they get, get out of there without, you know, a bunch of injuries uh, or anything like that, you know, I, I, I think they've got a good, good shot. Um, at this being their year, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll, we'll cover it all next week after we see the the because those college football playoff rankings they turn around Saturday night. The games take place and Sunday morning the rankings are out. So it's going to be or Sunday early afternoon, I should say the rankings are out. So it's going to be a ton of fun to see. All right, well let's end this uh marathon episode with the nfl uh the best season long cover percentage belongs to green bay they're covering 83 percent of their games arizona and dallas is right behind them at 72 percent and the patriots are sitting there covering 66 percent uh the worst cover percentage no surprises here the jets at 27 percent and then all sharing 36 percent Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and then the surprise L.A. Rams are also only covering 36 percent. And of course, the streaks in the NFL right now, the Patriots have won six games in a row uh, and a few games I want to hit here. We won't go through the entire slate just to save time, but let's start with the Chargers and the Bengals. Bengals are a three point favorite at home. The over under sits at 50 right now, uh, you look at the last couple Bengals games, they're coming off two wins uh, against the Steelers and Raiders. Chargers are coming off a loss to the Broncos. Chargers have been up and down all year. Uh, the Chargers have won five of their last six games against teams that held a winning record. And each of the last six games between the Chargers and Bengals have gone under the total points line. And again, this game is sitting at 50 and a half. I'm going to ride with the Bengals here by three. Uh, I There's something about the Chargers that I just I've lost confidence in this year. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to keep it simple. Ride with the Bengals here. I'm not going to touch the over under because, uh, again, both these quarterbacks could get hot and it could there could be a lot of points. But I'm going to go with the Bengals minus three. I have absolutely no idea what to go with in this game. Like it is, I have, this has got to be the most confusing one I've seen all weekend. Like three point spread means if you're playing neutral ground, it'd be a toss up. It would yeah. be a, they don't know what's going to happen here either. They get Bengals with three points for this being a home team. <sighs> These two teams have both been very up and down. The Chargers seem like they're on the down downward trend. The Bengals seem like they're on an upward trend. And for that reason, I'll take them to cover the three-point spread. I like Cincinnati here at home. 
All right. I like it too. Uh, moving on to there. Uh, where did I want to go next? Uh, let's do the uh, night games, Denver and the chiefs. The chiefs are nine and a half point favorites over unders at 47. Uh, I wanted to hit this game just because I feel like the chiefs are as close to being back as we thought they could get. We were waiting uh, for this Chiefs offense to turn it on. It seems like they have, uh, even though the Chiefs have not covered well this year, I think they go in and, and get it done uh, against Denver. I'll take Kansas City by nine and a half here. Uh, I'm not going to touch you over under uh, 47. You know, I like Teddy Bridgewell in this Denver offense. I, I really do. Uh, I think that Teddy's got this offense in a really good spot. I mean, they're six and five on the year. They've had a quietly really good year. Kansas City's only seven and four. They're not that much better than them. They're they're a game up on Denver. Denver has a chance to take the division back. Will they? Probably not. Is plus three forty too good to pass up for Denver? Absolutely. I'm throwing half a unit on Denver plus three forty. I think that's an astounding number. My other half unit is going to go on Kansas City covering the nine and a half point spread. This game's either going to be a blowout or Denver's going to win it. One of the two things is going to happen here. I don't know which one. The goal is to try to hit one or the other. <laughs> Odds are, with my luck, Kansas City wins this game by seven, and I walk away with nothing. But at the end of the day, sometimes you got to lose units to make units. So we'll take it. That's right. And now, Dave, let's talk about your Patriots again on the six game winning streak traveling to the Buffalo Bills again. Bills are a three-point favorite at home, which means this would be a uh, a toss-up pick them in a neutral site game. Uh, the over-under is at 43. I am hammering Patriots plus 120 on the money line. Uh, I absolutely love the Patriots here. Um, if you could get them on an alternate spread by three points. If you could find a way to do that, I would take them. New England is going to win this game, and this could be a blowout. And I am not trying to jinx your team, Dave. I think sounds this like, is... Sounds like you are. <laughs> no, no, because I am going to responsibly place a nice little wager on Patriots' money line. Patriots are rolling, man. This looks like the classic New England Patriots we're used to seeing. And again, you you may not find a bigger Patriots hater on the planet than me, but when we're talking gambling and we're talking making money, Bill Belichick puts money in your pocket. He's going to do it again. They win by 7 to 10 points in Buffalo. Yeah, I, I like um, New England here. I know it's a shocker for our loyal listeners out there that have been riding with us and going, oh, here goes Dave and his spill about the Patriots. And I don't even need to give you a spill. New England's done the talking for me. New England money line plus 125. It's easy. Ride with them while they're hot. If they lose this week, we'll come in to talk about it next week and we'll look at, you know, what went wrong in this game. We'll look at how they plan to bounce back or if they will. But right now, New England is the highest team in the league. Ride with them until they lose you money. Hopefully, you've been doing it for the past few weeks. We've been, we've been hammering New England for the past few weeks. And we've been telling you, get on them. 
keep that train rolling until it runs out of gas. New England plus 125 on the money line. All right, Dave, what a great episode this has been. And we can't go without telling our locks of the week and our can't lose parlay. All right. My lock of the week is North Dakota State minus 13 and a half over Southern Illinois. Uh, I think this is a this spread is really giving Southern Illinois more love than they they probably deserve. North Dakota State could win this game by 30. My lock of the week is North Dakota State by 13 and a half. That, is that football or it is football? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I now I'll be honest with you, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what uh, what conference championship that is, but North Dakota State and Southern Illinois, uh, North Dakota State by 13 and a half. That is my lock of the week. They're, they're typically a D2 powerhouse, I like it, I'll ride with it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little bit more familiar for our listeners here. I'm gonna go the NFL. <laughs> I like the Indianapolis Colts by 10 on the road at the Houston Texans. The Colts have been rolling here. They have. They played really well against Tampa Bay last week. They're still in a spot to get in the playoffs and make some noise. I wouldn't want to face this Colts team right now. I'm sure the Texans don't either. I like Indianapolis by at least 10 in this game. I might buy a half point, make it nine and a half, make it a little easier because it is a lock. You know, we got to lock it in there. Oh, yeah. But I like Indianapolis covering that 10 point spread against the Houston Texans. All right. Now the can't lose parlay. I've got four plays, all college football. And this one pays out uh 12.9 to one. So really good value here. And it is San Diego state minus six over Utah state. We talked about that earlier. James Madison, minus 14 versus uh, Southeast Louisiana. That game is at James Madison in Harrisonburg. Jackson State against Prairie View A&M. Jackson State at home. Dave, I've seen it on TV and on social media. Mississippi is rocking for Dion and Jackson State down there in Jackson, Mississippi. It's going to be a packed house. And I think Jackson State could run away with that game. I love Jackson State. Uh, by seven and a half is is a weird spread. I almost want to buy the half point, but uh, for this purpose, it it adds good value to the parlay. So we'll keep it there. And lastly, Oklahoma State, the Pokes, baby, minus five and a half. Uh, covering that spread. So again, San Diego State minus six, James Madison minus 14, Jackson State minus seven and a half, and Oklahoma State minus five and a half is my can't lose parlay. Uh, you again, it is plus 1293, the odds on that. Uh, so you bet a hundred, you win $1,392, not too shabby. I, I love those plays. I told you all at the start of the show, I am so confident this weekend, and there it is right there. I am extremely confident in those four plays. I'm going to start us off here in the NBA tonight, the Detroit Pistons. That's right. The Detroit Pistons covering plus 13 against the Phoenix Suns. 
this is as let down as a letdown spot gets. The Suns coming off the win against the Warriors. They've got a rematch against the Warriors on the horizon in their next game. Tonight, the Pistons might end the Phoenix Suns win streak. They might do it. Wow. I'm not going to call it, but they will cover plus 13 in this game. The Pistons have started putting it together. Pistons 8-5 and five against the spread in their last 13. Go ahead and make it 9-5. and five. I like them to cover that there. That's like number one, the Detroit Pistons right there. Moving over, let's go ahead and head to the NFL. I like the Las Vegas Raiders minus 2.5 against the Washington football team. Washington knows that this is a big game. However, it's on the road at Vegas. I like them to take care of business there. Up next for you, I'll take the L.A. Rams by 13 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. They should win this game by at least two scores. The Rams have kind of been slacking a little lately. That's okay. This is a get-right game for them. They'll do that in dominating fashion. And finally, on the can't-lose parlay, New England plus 125 on the money line Monday night football. You've got to love them. Got to love them. Got to love them. Got to love them. That's right. That's the Detroit Pistons plus 13 tonight. You've got the Colts minus 10 as your lock of the week. Not part of the can't lose parlay, but I wouldn't mind throwing them in there as well. And you've got the Las Vegas Raiders by two and a half, the Rams by 13. And the Patriots on the money line, plus 125. That's great value there for you. Book it. That is fantastic. And we are in for a great, great weekend of football, basketball, hockey, and more. And, hey, like we said, we'll be back on Tuesday to wrap up this insane weekend and get you ready for the college football playoff. Oh, my God, Dave. I am so excited. This was a great episode. Follow us on the Book It Sports app at Faded Sports Pick'em for our daily picks. Uh, And again, we hope you ride with us uh, on our picks. And hey, I, I, I like where we sit right now, man. We made a lot of sharp picks today. We'll see how they turn out. Until then, have a great weekend. Thank you, as always, for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Like our podcast. And we will talk to you next Tuesday.